0: Anyway, let me let me move on here. Isaiah chapter thirty-five, uh, verse three. Let me read this to you. It says, "Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees." Say to those who are fearful-hearted, "Be strong and do not fear." Behold, the Lord your God will come; He will come and save you. Is that encouraging? All right, Heavenly Father, we just ask today as we spend some time in your word, Lord, that you would speak deeply to our soul and to our spirit concerning your faithfulness for this next season, Lord Jesus. Give us wisdom and understanding, Lord, and and fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, in uh, 700 BC, the Assyrian army was marching across the face of the Middle East Wiping out everything. We're going to pick up in Isaiah chapter 36. It says, Now it came to pass in the 14th year of the king Hezekiah that Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came up against the fortified cities of Judah and took them. Then the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh. Anytime you come across somebody named whose name starts with the It's a big deal. It's like the hammer, right? It's like some mob boss. It's like the guy who does the the stuff for the mob boss, you know what I mean? The (laughs) Rabshakeh. The king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh with a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And he stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway of the Fuller's Field. Verse 4, it says, And the Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah the king, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence is is this in which you put your trust? And that's a good question, isn't it? He he says, you tell your king that the great king has a question for you. In whom do you put your trust? Verse 7, he says, but if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places that uh, King Hezekiah has taken away? See, there was an assumption that, that King Hezekiah had torn down the places of worship that were to worship God, These, what they were called the high places. All the, all the places where the, that worship centers were set up to Baal and false gods were always placed on high places, on, on mounts, right? And King Hezekiah, when he began to rule, he was 25 years old, his father... Um, uh, Ahaz, I think was his name. Uh, King Ahaz, don't, don't quote me on the name, that might be wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm just going off the cuff right now. Um, he was wicked, evil guy, and he set up all these temples to Baal and Um, when Hezekiah became king, he was a righteous man, he loved the Lord, and he had those things torn down, right? Um, The Assyrian army, the the king of Assyria had been watching, sent spies in, and he saw that all these things were being torn down, and so he's addressing, hey, God's not going to help you, you just tore down all all of his worship centers, right? So that's what's happening right here. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not his high places who Hezekiah has taken away? And he said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before the altar. Now, therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses. If you're even able to put people on them to ride them. See, his father, Hezekiah's father, had made a pledge annually, would give you know, a, a blank check to the king of Assyria to say, hey, man, don't, don't attack us. Just leave us be. And the king of Assyria went, yeah, no problem. Keep sending the check, Right? Hezekiah stopped sending the check. He said, "No, we're going to trust God, and we're not going to worship. We're not going to worship Baal or, or these false images anymore, right?" So, so the the Rabshakeh says, "Hey, man, look, I'll give you, I'll give you a bunch of horses. You don't even have enough people to to put on them to fight me." Verse 9, he says, and then how will you repel one captain of the least of my master's servants and put your trust in Egypt? So it was the the big controversy going on in the book of Isaiah was that uh, Hezekiah was thinking about asking Egypt to come and help. And Isaiah told Hezekiah, if you lean into into Egypt, did I say Israel? (laughs) Into Egypt for help, then you're choosing Egypt's help over God's help. So you have a choice to make, right? And again, because of the spies that had come in, they, they knew, you guys are, are thinking about leaning into Egypt. This is, this is the big deal. Why don't you call Egypt? See what, see what they can do, right? Because he knows, hey, we'll crush Egypt. And then Eliakim, this is verse 11, then Eliakim, Shebna, uh, Joah, and uh, said to the Rabshakeh, please speak to your servants, this is funny, speak to your servants in Aramaic. For we understand it, and and... and Don't speak in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. Catch that? So he says, hey, the Rabshakeh. Speak in Arabic. We understand you. Don't don't speak in Hebrew because we don't want these guys on the wall to hear what you're saying. Right? So he says, but the Rabshakeh said, Has my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words and not to the men who are sitting on the wall, who will eat and drink their own waste with you? This is, this is serious stuff going on here. The most terrifying event in, in history at this time was the siege. See, the Assyrian army had mastered this. A siege essentially was when the Assyrian army would, would come to your city to take it over. And you would fortify your city and you'd make it, make it strong and you'd have great big walls and you'd fortify your walls and then you'd close up the door and you'd say, all right, you're not getting us. And you know what they would say? No worries. We'll just wait. And sometimes they'd even build a wall around your wall. And they would send hundreds of thousands of troops just to camp outside. And they would wait you out. There are, there are uh, historical records of, of sieges that lasted over six years where they would cut off the water supply, cut off food coming in, and they'd just hang out and have a party because the Assyrian army, they're getting, they're getting resources all they want, right? but inside the city everyone's starving to death and and the the record of the atrocities that took place inside the city walls of of cities that were besieged was was horrible absolutely horrible and so it's it's they were terrified so he says hey man no problem you're going you don't want these guys to hear well they're going to know when when you know you guys are going through all these horrible atrocities together He says in verse 13, he says, and then the Rabshakeh stood and he called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and he said, hear the words of the great king of Assyria. Thus says the king, uh, don't let Hezekiah deceive you because God won't save you. Egypt's not gonna save you. You're you're, you're mine is basically what he says. Jumping over to verse 14. So all of King Hezekiah's guys come to him and say, uh, hey, this is what's going on and they deliver a message to him. And it says in chapter uh, verse 14 of chapter 37, and Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and he spread it before the Lord. See, he didn't go to Egypt, right? Where did he go? The house of the Lord. Right, and he spread it before the Lord and then Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. Verse 21 says, and then Isaiah the son of of Amoz, sent to Hezekiah, saying, "'Thus says the Lord God of Israel, "'Because you have prayed to me "'against Sennacherib king of Assyria, "'this is the word of the Lord "'that he has spoken concerning them.'" And then he goes on and he gives us this, this huge prophetic word that has some things that are absolutely amazing. Uh, I'm going to leave it to you to read. It's not going to be up here. But uh, anywhere from uh, verse 21 of chapter 37, when you have some time later, read it. It's amazing. There's, there's, there's uh, stuff about the Messiah, just awesome, awesome things. But if we jump down to verse 33. It says, "Thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria. He shall not come into your city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before it with shield, nor build a siege mound against it, by the way, he came is the same way that he's going to go. And then in verse 36, we see what happens. The angel of the Lord went out and killed in the camp of, camp of the Assyrians 185,000. And when the people arose the next morning, uh, there were corpses all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and he went his way, returning home. Right? And when he got home, he went to worship in his temple and his sons killed him because they wanted to succeed him. Right? And Jerusalem did not fall by siege because he put his trust in who? In the Lord, right? He put his trust in the Lord. I love stories like this. They always light me up. I get so excited when, when I read stories where God comes in, like as on eagle's wings and he lifts them up and he saves the day, right? Isn't it encouraging to know when we put our trust in, in God, he's there for us. He, he, he comes in and he saves us, right? He does the same thing for us, doesn't he? He does the same thing for us. Uh, I, I had a personal experience recently. Um, I'll share with you just briefly. Uh, about four months ago, we began, my wife and I began praying uh, over, over our kids. There was uh, one of our kids had, had a, a, a thing that we felt like the Lord uh, was calling us to have them do, and um, I'm, I'm trying to be a little bit vague, but um, just so I can hurry through this, but the, the cost of this was, was insane, and an insane amount of money to, to do this thing that we felt like the Lord was asking us to do. And so we began praying about it, and right at that time, uh, I, taught, I taught a message, a uh, second message ago, and it was about um, removing grave clothes, right? And I talked about how when, when the Lord does miraculous things in our lives, um, he, we see in Scripture and we see in, in our lives that things get crazy before the miraculous, Right? And so knowing that's God's character, and that's how, how the Lord does things, as we were begin, beginning to pray about this, we knew, hey, things are going to going to get a little buck wild, right? So, so we're praying about this, and um, I get a call from an insurance company that says, "Hey, uh, we just want to let you know that uh, you've underpaid us, we, we misbilled you, but you under, underpaid us by like 3,500 bucks. And so you, you, we're going we're to need that back, so send us a check. And I was like, I can't just write you a check for that, you know, just whatever, you know, t- just take it out of whatever. And so uh, things got weird, you know, we, we, were, we were losing money and not putting money towards the thing we're supposed to be putting money towards. But we continued to pray because we knew this is, this is what the Lord's asked us to do. And things got crazy, which is what they're supposed to do. <laughs> it's what the Word of God says, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna anchor in. And so we prayed, and we spent three and a half, almost four months praying, just just consistently laying this thing before the Lord. And we found other people and said, pray with us. And we linked arms and just found some other people to pray with. And uh, a week ago, we we're driving home from a, from a trip with the family, and I get a call, uh, and I answer it on the, on, the, on the radio phone thing, whatever you want to call it, the Bluetooth deal. And say hello, and they, they said it's the insurance company. I was like, oh, great. My brain shot off because I'm thinking... They're wanting, wanting more money, all right? The miracle's going to get serious, <laughs> right? And as they're talking, they, they said, oh, by the way, uh, we, we misjudged. We actually ha- had underpaid you for this thing. And uh, by the way, we're going to send you a check. And it was going to cover the cost of, of this thing we're supposed to do with our daughter, right? And it was, it was like, you know? <laughs> so we spent the rest of the way driving home with a big grin on our face, like looking over like, for real? Man, God's awesome, right? Because He's faithful, and He always is, and He always pulls through every time we lean into Him, right? And we don't give up, and we continue to persevere in faith and in prayer. Isaiah uh, 49, verse 23 says, For those who put their trust in God will not be disappointed. You need to own that today, right? It's easy to come and say, Oh, that, yeah, the pastor prayed for something, and God did something. But what about me? God is faithful to his word and he loves you. And if you don't, if you have a difficult time understanding the love of God, I want to encourage you, get last week's message, play it over and over again because God loves you. That was what the message was about. And, and let that settle down in your soul. God loves you. It doesn't matter whether you stand here or you sit there or you're outside uh, leaning against a building destitute, not knowing where you're going. Right? God loves you. For those who put their trust in him, they will not be disappointed. The interesting thing about this story, uh, years later, not even years later, a short time after this, uh, King Hezekiah became deathly ill. And Isaiah went to him and said, uh, hey, get your affairs in order because you're not going to make it. By the way, that's from the Lord, <laughs> right? That kind of signs the check, doesn't it? Uh, and so, so Hezekiah says, oh, man, I mean, I know to pray. So he goes and he prays and he asks the Lord, God, give me, give me more days. And God says, all right. Gave him 15 more years. Unfortunately, his character and his perseverance in his relationship to the Lord faltered. Uh, the Babylonian king at the time heard that Hezekiah was sick, right? All, they all got spies everywhere, just kind of spying on stuff, right? And, and they, they find out that King Hezekiah is sick. And so he, he sends an envoy to Hezekiah to say, hey, here's just some gifts. We heard you're sick. That's really a bummer. Um... And Hezekiah says, hey, I'm good now. I'm better. And they're like, hey, man, that's fantastic. And K- K- King Hezekiah says, hey, by the way, since you're here, let's just hang out and have a party. And they're, they're doing a bunch of drinking. And, and King Hezekiah says, hey, let me take you in and show you how wealthy we really are. And he goes into the temple and he shows them all the gold and all the, all the stuff that they had, that they had uh, taken in, in war and just, just all, this, all these riches, right? And, and so they go back to Babylon and, of course, what do you think they do? Right, they go tell the king of Babylon, and then shortly after that, guess who comes and wipes out Jerusalem? Right? Babylon. So it was because of his lack of endurance and his lack of character. Um, it wasn't an issue on God's faithfulness, was it? Because God was faithful. Do you ever find yourself um, moving from extreme event to extreme event when it comes to our, our, our prayers Right, where something comes up that, man, I really need God to move in this, and we, we press in and we pray, and God's faithful like He always is, right? And God moves, and He, and he answers prayer, and, and He does the miraculous, but then we get back to normal life, and we get back to the routines of, of the way things just kind of usually are, and then we find ourselves kind of getting away from that consistency in our walk with the Lord, and then something else comes up, and then boom, right? Right? Chaos again, I need to pray. I've got to pray through this and we get we get to where we're praying through it again and God's faithful again and he does what he says he will always do, which is be faithful. But when those events come, we get super stressed out, don't we? And when we get like all all like anxious and fearful, what if God doesn't come through? What if what if things don't work out the way that I I hope that they will, the way that I'm praying they will, and we we kind of figure out how we're gonna solve it on our own kind of at the same time we're praying, like if, if God doesn't do it, I've got a, a backup plan, right? Or sometimes praying's our backup plan, right? I mean, I've got a plan, and, and if this doesn't quite work out, then I'll pray, right? How would you like to move past that? How would you like to have bold confidence that when circumstances arise that I'm going to go to the Lord... And I'm not going to stress about it because I know that he has this. Before before this even presented itself as an issue in my life, I knew that God is faithful and I know that he's going to see us through this no matter what. To be able to have that peace and that confidence and that security to know I don't have to like freak out about this one bit. It's going to be okay. Anybody want that? I mean, that sounds like a good place to be, right? I mean, I want to be there. That's that's a great place to be. I want to talk today about how we move to that place, all right? And and I think that the uh, the, the answer is in Isaiah chapter 40. So we're going to go over just a page, and I'm going to read something to you. And this is a, a familiar passage. Verse 28. I'll start at verse 27. It says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? This is, this is the same person. Jacob and Israel are, are, are essentially Israel. It's just a, a poetic way of speaking. He says, my, uh, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known and have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor grows weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases their strength. Even the youths shall faint and grow weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Catch this. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Man, I love that passage. It's one that most of us have heard before, and it, it, we, we read that, and it just resonates in there, right? Um, I mean, who doesn't want to soar like an eagle right, in their relationship with God? Who doesn't want to be, be caught up and, and carried by God? It sounds majestic. It sounds, it sounds overcoming, right? It's, it's, it's an amazing place to be. I remember um, a few years ago, some, some pastor buddies of mine, uh, three of us, uh, decided we're going we're gonna to pray over our city. And so we chartered a, a flight uh, a four-person plane, and so we went to the airport, not the big airport, a little tiny airport. It's like a backyard, and we got in this guy's plane, and um, we, we take off off the runway, and I'm thinking to myself, uh, I'm going to die. Because <laughs> this is, you know, from, from the ground looking up, you see these little airplanes flying around, and think, oh, airplane, that's, that's really cool. That looks really stable. But when you're in it, it's like, this is a rowboat in the sky, <laughs> and it's mostly made of paper. I think. I mean, it just does not seem like a good, safe thing to be in, right? And I think you like, you get like a license off the internet. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of reasons why I should not be in this plane. We spent the majority of the time not praying over the city, but praying for our own soul, right? Because <laughs> this might not go well. But we are not majestic in our own flight, Right, but eagles are, and I remember on vacation watching eagles over over the lake and just watching how they kind of soar and glide and 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 hover and and they're just they're awesome, right? We, the idea of being picked up on eagles' wings just sounds sounds awesome, right? We we want that. Um, I remember reading this passage and thinking this passage is backwards, and Isaiah must have been reading or writing this funny because it says they rise up on wings like eagles, run and not be weary, walk and not faint, but. I mean, aren't we supposed to start out kind of walking and then we get some momentum, right? And then, boom, we're running. We're off. And then the idea is, off we go, man. Wings like eagles. We're flying. We're soaring with the Lord, right? But the more I read this, I realize this is in the order it's in, inspired by God, right? It's, it's meant to be this way for a reason, right? But, but this whole idea of, of rising up on eagles' wings always seems Really good, but listen. Listen to what God says um, to the Egyptians uh, as they escape from slavery. Uh, Exodus nineteen four says, "You uh, have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself." Right? It's a beautiful description of how God carried His people from from slavery into His own presence and made them His own people. And how we saw how, how, how they saw the Egyptian army completely wiped out. Right, by the hand of God, the, the, the Red Sea parted. Right? All these miraculous events that took place in their lives because God bore them up on eagles' wings. Many of us have heard the illustration of what it means to be born up on eagles' wings. I, I, I first heard this story one time. I, I was listening to a sermon like 35 years ago, and the, the pastor's talking about uh, the, being born up on eagles' wings, and he says, the, the mother eagle throws the baby eagle out of the nest, and it falls. And it keeps falling. And just as it's going to hit the ground, the mother swoops underneath and picks it up. It takes it way up high again and drops it off. And I'm thinking, this is horrible. (laughs) That doesn't sound good at all. But that sounds like what happens in my life sometimes. (laughs) So uh, a mother eagle, they'll hover over the nest. When the the baby is is to the point of being able to to move out on its own, The, the mother stops feeding it, right, to encourage this thing to... Hey, we need to get out of here a little bit. Hovers over the nest, and when the, when the baby eagle sees what's going on, will also start to put its wings up and kind of catch this breeze. When when the the eagle, the little eaglet, has kind of got an idea of what's going on, the mother urges it out, and it it flies right. It's out, and, it, and it's it's flying in the wind, and and but it has no stamina and it has no strength, right? And so it loses its balance quickly, and as it loses its balance, the mother comes underneath and just keeps it stable. It's beautiful. Praise God that he does that in our lives, right? I would not be here if he didn't. It's because he's faithful, right? And my endurance is lacking, and my faith is lacking. And there are so many things that I struggle with that I say, God, I just need your help. Would you pick me up and carry me? And if you're in that place, praise God, because he is faithful. And again, I want to remind you, those who put their trust in him will not be disappointed, will not be disappointed, because he is faithful, Right. the 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 thing is, though, God holds us up, and if we're not careful, though, uh, we can get the idea that this is the goal of our spiritual walk. Right? We can get the idea that this is the goal of our spiritual walk. Baby eaglets learning to fly. the The purpose of them learning to fly is so that they'll move out. <laughs> right? Like, whew, you're eating all the stuff in the house. It's time to. It's time to spread those wings, little eaglet, <laughs> right? It's, it's that they grow up. I was talking to my daughter the other day, and, and uh, I, I said, you know, you go to the mall, and you don't really see too many too many parents carrying around 14-year-old kids, <laughs> right? It'd be weird. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine moms carrying their kids around the mall? You know, you, you, don't, you don't do that. You carry babies around. And, and I, I told her, you, you know, babies, when you were a baby... Babies are cute, they're awesome, and for that season of life, man, it is amazing the things that you experience through that relationship, right? But the goal, uh, the thing that I told my daughter that I, I, I've always dreamed of is when you grow up, being able to walk with you, and have a, an intellectual conversation with you, and to share my heart with you, and for you to share your heart with me and to get to know you, for you to know my soul and me to know yours, Right. And to build this trust and this relationship that will be a consistent. When you have something going on, even though you know I'm I'm not carrying you, we're with each other constantly. Right? We have a relationship that is united and connected. To have this relationship where we're just nothing can get between us. Right? That's the intent. That's the intent, right? God wants to be able, God wants to have this relationship with us where where we grow. And that's what's interesting about this passage here. It says, it says, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall renew their strength. And this this is exactly what this is talking about. In fact, the the word renew, caliph, the word literally means to grow in maturity. It means to grow up in maturity. Isaiah is talking about the eaglet, right? He's talking about this eagle that rises up, and he's, he's talking about it coming to maturity, right? And Isaiah is also talking about our spiritual walk, that we come to maturity. Those who wait upon the Lord would renew their strength, would come to a mature relationship, right? So what's it mean to, to wait upon the Lord? We've got to talk about that. What's it mean to wait upon the Lord? The word that's used here is kava, which is translated in Isaiah chapter 40 as, as wait, but it means to bind together like a cord or a rope. It means to bind together like a cord or a rope. Here's what it doesn't mean. So say I take a, a bunch of wood that's all split up and I take a rope and I wrap it around it and I tie it together and I've got a bundle. That's, that's, that's not what it means, but here's what it means. I take a strand or a thread, right? I thought about bringing one up here, but you couldn't see it anyway, right? So just imagine I'm holding a, holding a thread. And another time, I take another thread. I put it with that one, I bind them together. And over the course of time, I take another one, I bind it together, and I weave them together and get to the point where there's some consistency here, right? And pretty soon, I have like 50 strands bound together, and I take that strand, and in a rope, you have, a rope is made of strands, so I take this, this strand, and I take another strand, and I braid those together, right? And then pretty soon, I have something of substance, and then I take some more, and I bind those together, and pretty soon, you guys seen like cruise ships on TV, right? They have The ropes that hold those things to the dock? I mean, a single person cannot even pick them up. I mean, they're substantial, right? But the idea is that Waiting upon the Lord is to daily, consistently bind together to make something strong, right? That's what Isaiah is saying. Those who wait upon the Lord, those who cover upon the Lord, those who bind together with the Lord will renew their strength, will develop maturity. And then he says what it looks like, right? They will rise up on wings like eagles, right? We start by being carried by the living God. Then we run, and we don't grow weary, and then we walk, and we, and we, and we don't faint, right? But here's this, this rope, and here's what, or this string, and here's what, what happens often in my own life and, and, and in the lives of others. We, we, we go through a circumstance in our lives, and we pull out our, our faith string, and we think, oh, man, that's thin. <laughs> that's thin. But you know what? God's faithful. It's going to hold me. We take our our thread and we think, I got got another plan. It's over here, but I've got this plan. I'm going to pray. And we take our strand and we wrap it around us and we think, all right, it's going to hold me. Right? And we jump off in prayer. And what's it do? It holds you, doesn't it? But is it terrifying? Yeah. It is. We get past our, our event, and God is faithful. He always is. And we untie that and we think, man, that was... God, that was, sheesh, that was scary. But God is faithful, and we take that strand, and we put it back in our pocket, and we start going about our day, and we forget. Right? We get busy, life takes over, we're doing our stuff, and, and all of a sudden another event comes, and then what do we do? Whoop, got my strand, i went to the church, I remember I gotta pray. We tie it on, oh dear Jesus. And we jump off, right? And we continue to pray and God's faithful and he sees us through. We take it off, put it back in our pocket, right? What the Lord would have us do and what Isaiah is saying leads to maturity is that we take the strand and by day, we bind more days to it. A consistent, enduring, patient walk with the Lord that every day would be with him. And every experience we have with him would bind faith to faith. Right And bind experience to experience, and so by the time an event comes up in your life, your faith is a rope right and, and you know without having to stress about it that this is going to hold me without even worrying about it, right This holds ships to docks. God is so faithful I'm not going to worry about this I'm going to pray because that's what the word says, be anxious for nothing but in, Uh, All things with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts. Is what Angie shared earlier, right? We bind our faith around us, but it's a consistent walk with the Lord where we know He's got this taken care of. I don't have to worry about it. Ecclesiastes uh, Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. See, uh, in the book of Romans um, and in the book of James, uh, two authors in the New Testament write about what this looks like, and it's really, really cool, and it's also some of the most terrifying passages in Scripture. Uh, Romans 5, 1 through 4 says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, this is Paul, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That all, I mean, that's really good stuff, right? The glory of God, the, the hope that we have, our trust in Him, right? We, if, if I were to share, if Paul were to share this portion with somebody, they would say, yeah, man, we're behind you all the way. That's awesome. Man, grace of God, the glory of God, good stuff. But then he goes on and he says this, and not only that, Right, and I could just imagine Paul's eyes getting like big as he gets excited about what he's going to say next. He says, "He says, but also we glory." Here's what, here's where we draw the line, guys. Here's where we step from the little thread to the big thread. He says, "He says, but we glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope." right he's ex- he's explaining the process by which we take the thread and we add to it daily out of the out of, out of the consistent walking with the lord that produces something that when we look at tribulation we say whatever right like paul did and like James did, James says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces, and he has a list of about four things that are consistent with what Paul says. And these two guys were doing different ministries in different places, but walking with the same God daily without fainting in patient endurance and came to the same conclusion that when trials and, and, and difficulty come along, I'm going to consider it joy because I'm not afraid of this. And when I see what comes out of this, because we've done it enough times, man, I'm going, to, I'm going to be amazed and I'm going to have a story to share and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character produces hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out on our hearts by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. See, the goal is that we would not be soaring on eagle's wings always, right? The goal is that we be walking in a consistent, patient, enduring walk with Jesus daily, building our faith and building our strength. And is He going to carry us? Heck yeah! Of course. But there's substance and depth to a mature relationship with the Lord, right? There's substance where you get to know His heart and His character. And you get to share with Him and be transparent before the Lord. And there's no relationship like it in the entire world. So how do we maintain a consistent walk with the Lord without falling away, without fainting is what it's talking about, without getting, getting tired and, and falling off? When life and hell seem to be building siege against your hopes and your dreams, against your children, against your your jobs, against the things that we hold dear, right? the enemy is constantly against us, fighting a battle to keep us from patient endurance. How do we maintain this consistent walk with the Lord through stuff like that? Get your paper out. I'm going to give you point A, B, and C. I'm getting some laughs. There's no A, B, and C to how to walk faithfully with God. Right? There's no, there's no, let me just define it for you, and it'll be really easy. All you have to do is read your Bible three times a day, pray to the East twice a week. Right? That, that doesn't make any sense, right? That's is that how you have a relationship with your kids or your wife? No. Right? The living God wants to have a relationship with us, and walking with God isn't a formula, it's a passionate pursuit. To walk in the breeze of the Holy Spirit and get a sense of His direction for your soul, for your life, where He would tear down every siege against you, where He would carry you on eagle's wings. It's not a step A, B, and C. But there are some principles in Scripture that, that um, are there for us to understand that are examples of things that took place out of the relationship others had with the Lord that we can follow. And I'm going I'm to give you one of them that's just, just a real simple one. But this is, a, this is a path you have to walk. And it's interesting, we're coming upon a, a new season. We can see the weather change, school's getting ready to start again, and this seems to be about the time of year where we start to anchor down our routines. Right, kids are getting up at exactly six forty-five, having breakfast at seven, and you know, bada bing, bada boom. Next thing you know, it's nine thirty at night, and everybody's tired. And right, and off we go. Where do we plug in Jesus? Right, as we're as as the 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 routines are starting to concrete up and get firm. Before they do, where do we say, you know what? I want to walk with Jesus faithfully. I want to add to that thread daily. I want to build this rope and this, this strand of faith daily. Lord, where do I put you first today? Lord, before things get crazy, where do I put you first daily so that, so that we can have this walk together, so that I can know your heart and you can know mine, and my day can be centered around you and not around chaos? Mm. Right? I, I love the story of Enoch in the Bible that says that uh, he walked with God not say much about him. He walked with God, and then he was no more. He walked this consistent. He, his life became so caught up with his intimacy with God, right, that God walked him straight into another dimension of eternity. Right? Didn't get hit by a bus. Didn't die of cancer. I mean, there's nothing. It was just, hey, you know what? Why don't you come over to my house? Let me show you my car. <laughs> right? I mean, it was just this intimate relationship. Right? I love it. I just absolutely love that passage. It's such a short one that just speaks so much. Oh, man. Uh, H- Hebrews chapter 12 uh, says therefore, says this, therefore strengthen your hands and your feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. What do hands do? That they do things, right? Our hands are there to do things. It says strengthen your your hands that hang down. We kind of get this oh man, I'm worn out, and I'm tired. says, strengthen them, right? With the things, that, the things that we do, right? What are we doing? Right, what are we doing? Make paths paths that are straight for your feet, the places that we go, right? It has to do with where we're going so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue peace with all people. Here's uh, principle number one right, as we're, we're, we have this consistent walk with the Lord, keep our relationships right with others, right? Bitterness, unforgiveness, broken relationships, we need to get them straight. We need to get them right, right? Because as we walk with the Lord, one of the things He will speak to our hearts heavily is, hey, Seth, um, remember so-and-so? You need to Could you please fix that? Because I want to have an open relationship here, and and that's broken. We need to fix that, right? We've got to keep our relationships fixed. Keep short accounts with people, right? Keep short accounts with people. And he says, unholiness, without which no one will see the Lord. This is not a legalistic thing he's talking about. He's not saying we need to be ultra-holy because that is... If you do this and this and this and this, then you're then you're holy, and God will accept you. That's not what holiness is about, right? Holiness is about saying it, holiness means to be set apart, right? However, between you and your heavenly Father, you would define that, walk that with the Lord, right? If the Lord says, "Hey, you know what? You know what? I'm not I'm not even gonna gonna define it at all," and here's why, because it is a it is a intimate connection between you and the Father where He would say to you, come and be different. Come and be uncommon. Okay? Don't allow hell to attach any sort of legalism to that. Okay? It's really easy to. Don't allow them. Come out. And then the the last principle I want to share with you is, is simply this. Um, and this is this is this applies to your business. This applies to your your goals. This applies to everything you set yourself to doing. All right, and 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 this is, this is simply it. Your why has to be bigger than your what. Why are you following Jesus? Why are you pursuing him? Why are you chasing after him? Why are you praying? Right, your why has to be bigger than your what. And I would even go as far as to say this. If your why is not as big as God loved me when I was broken and lost and could offer nothing and still can offer nothing, he came for me and he scooped me up in his love and he bore me on eagle's wings. He carried me then and he's carrying me now. And I'm gonna give my life for him. With everything that I am, I'm gonna surrender it to him. That's how big your why should be. If it's not, go get on your face before him and and allow him to to remind you, right? Because he has called us out and he's called us up, and he's doing something life altering in you, and he wants to have an intimate relationship with you. One of the best races I was ever in. I used to enjoy running. Uh, Best race I was ever in. Um, My daughter, my youngest, um, fun run at school. And she got her orange shirt to match all the other kids' orange shirts. And uh, I decided I was going to go to the school and, and kind of cheer her on, you know. And, and uh, we, we kind of had, had an idea of how fast she could, how many laps she could run around this, this course, right, in order to get all the, the maximum amount of points or whatever that it was that they did. And so I, w- I said, all right, you can do it. How many laps are you going to do? I'm going to do 5,000. All right, ready, go. And she gets going around this thing and she comes back around like after two or three times. And I'm cheering her on, I'm giving her high fives, and then uh she starts slowing down. And so, so I'm like, all right, you can do it. Yeah, dad, I can do it. All right. So I just turn and start walking with her. And you know how many times we got around that racetrack in like the hour we had? I think like three quarters. But you know what? We had a great time talking. Right? We had this intimate time where we could just talk about life and school and the orange shirt and whatever else happened to come to mind. Because you know what? The race really was not the issue, right? It was the relationship. It's about the relationship. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you bear us on eagle's wings, that you carry us Lord, through every difficult circumstance we face when we choose to lean into you. Thank you. Lord, for those uh, who are going through difficult circumstances right now. Father, as they lean into you, Father, thank you that your word declares to us that those who put their trust in God will not be disappointed. Lord, carry them now. carry them. Lord, set within their soul right now a peace concerning their circumstances that would declare to them the Lord has this. He has me. Now, Father, as we're beginning to to get into this new season, Lord, would you uh, speak to our hearts about how we could submit our lives to You. Lord, so that we can walk with You daily. Lord, we can, we can add strand to strand. Lord, we can wait on You. Lord, so that our lives can be enriched, so that we can have a relationship with You that we've never had before. Lord, so that when circumstances come that are difficult or, 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 or frightening sometimes, Lord, that we would just know beyond anything that the Lord has this. I have no need to fear. Lord, thank you for your grace towards us and your favor and your kindness and your love. Lord, we just love you. And Lord, Lord we just ask as we go throughout our week this week, Lord Jesus, just draw us close. Yes, God. Lord, thank you for your kindness and your love, Jesus. In your name, Father, amen. Mm-hmm.